like watching watching Entourage without any self awareness. What in the world happened to you? Before you started talking, you used to have a break. Hey. But now you don't get even the simplest of things. Hey. I draw a little picture, even use my hands. Hey. I try to explain, but you just don't understand at all. Hey. Hey. And you're really losing it. Hey. And you're really got a lot of junk hey. now. Hey. But you keep on abusing it. What in the world happened to Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hear Movie oh, Hear Movie Podcast. Oh my gosh, my brain's just going beep, all beep, over. Richie. Beep beep up in my brain. I think I had my headphones too loud, and that's why I had I was just jamming out too hard, and then I think yeah. I killed myself. Welcome to the Film Find. My name is Adam Portress. Oh, the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to movie podcasts before, my name's Adam Portress. I'm joined by Matt Smith. Nailed it. Yeah, just okay, right off the bat. It. This this will go to prove to anyone that we don't really edit shows. <laughs> No, why? It's fucking live. This if we if we could do this like Kevin Smith, like where he makes money off of broadcasting live for however many fucking hours a day he does it, we would do it, right? We would. We would are you kidding me? Hell yeah! All the time, all day long, I would be doing this stuff, man. It doesn't really matter to me. And honestly, it's like there's so much of that like early early Smodcast days that I really fucking loved when they decided to kind of go and do that sort of stuff and do the live stream and do all that. I just I love that idea. It wasn't really sustainable no. <laughs> for that amount of time, especially just Not given content. But uh, I love the I love the hubris of it. They're just saying like, "Hey, man, here's what we're gonna do," and uh, you know, for hell, he did it a lot longer than I thought he would. Yeah, I thought for sure well, he'd have given up a lot quicker than he did. But but applause, nothing but applause for that stuff, man. Right. But uh, but we're here. We're here, and we're, we're going to give you another show, man. Uh, today, we're covering two uh, things, because guess what, Matt? It's what? back. It's, oh. it's back. Not just the movie It, which we'll be talking about, but I got my movie pass in the mail. Yeah. In fact... In fact, I got two movie passes in the mail. <laughs> Mine should be here next week uh, if they're as fast as they were with other people we know about. Yeah, it, it's funny because I mentioned this, and I know at least two people on our Patreon, patreon.com slash thefilmfine, that actually got that ordered theirs after me and got it before me. And I that, that really cheesed me off. And I'm just like, look, man, I, I gave you guys money for so long. Put me on the priority list, dog. Get me up front. What the hell's mm-hmm. that about? It's just, uh, you know, look, I'm not going to say I'm, you know, not miffed because I am. It's true. But... We got that, and so what that means is that you guys are going to get more and more reviews. Uh, the film funds back in a big bad way, and uh, we prove it to you this week by doing what we used to do, which is reviewing almost everything. Because this week we're reviewing it, which was a giant success at the box office, uh, much much more so than even the uh, I would say highest of possible you know out, uh, predictions could have made it. And uh, we're going to be talking about the movie that came in second place as well. Uh, called Home Again. Is that what it's called? Yes, it is. Home Again. It's a really kind of crummy name. Yes, it is. And I don't think it really accounts for anything in the film per se. I mean, it well, kinda, she, I guess it kind of She does, does go home again. She goes home to a home that she was at and then, previously. And, that's, and then I guess other people find their home again. 
I guess it's not very good. It's not it's not a very good title. But we'll talk about no. whether or not it's actually a good movie or not, and whether you would have should have seen it. And it's uh, it's brought to you by uh, the the child of Nancy Myers. So uh, we know about her work, and we're going to see how the daughter matches. I love up. Nancy Myers. I know you do. For some weird, I, I don't. I, listen, I'll Whatever. put it this. Didn't you like the intern? I was just going to say. I was hold on. I was just going to say. I don't hate Nancy Myers. I did like the intern. It was good. It was good. We reviewed that. Go, go check it out on the on the feed, people. It's in the it's in the back catalog. Watched it again recently, and it is very good. It's, I yeah. changed my review to very good now. Well, really, so upgrade. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I might need to watch it again then. No, I I liked it a whole, I liked it a good bit. So, uh, you know, we'll see we'll see if the daughter can live up to the mother. Uh, so we'll be talking about those today, man. So uh, home again and it. Uh, I got to see it two times. Uh, so I, I, it's it's I don't want to say it's well in my brain, but I've I've got a I got a good chunk of it in there. And right. also, uh, well, I'll talk about that in the what you've been watching segment because that that'll kind of go there, I suppose. Uh, first of all, though, what we need to do is thank everybody that goes down to patreon.com slash the film find and uh, helps this show out, man. Uh, we appreciate everyone that does that. You'll be getting the pre-show and post-show on everything that we do. Uh, so you get a little bit of behind-the-scenes action and whatnot. And the best part is is uh, we're going to be doing this for everybody. So even if you're at the dollar level at this point because it's still, it's still kind of new, we're still trying to build up our base. Uh, mm -hmm. but everyone is going to get a, uh, a little bonus episode from us this week. Uh, Matt and I have also, not only have we watched the new it movie, we rewatched the television miniseries from 1990 and we're going to be reviewing that and bringing it out for our, uh, Patreon subscribers. So patreon.com slash the film find. And, uh, you should be seeing that very, uh, very shortly. Yeah, and when when we do stuff like that, eventually it will make its way into the regular feed. But if you like that little something extra, it's not only these uh, episodes. We're going to start doing extra things for the Patreon subscribers uh, pretty frequently, I, I hope. Yeah, and now here's the biggest thing that I always want to say to people that they, you know, some people, I guess, don't really realize and stuff. They go, ah, well, you know, we're getting the show for free. And here's the thing, man. The show's always going to be free. You don't have to worry about that. You'll still be able to go ahead and just download it. And if yep. you can't afford it, it's not going to cost you a dime. But yeah, we, we literally can't charge for it on iTunes. So don't worry about no, it. No, we can't. But I mean, we could, we can find ways to charge. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. So I, I say this to everybody, whether it be with the film fine, H&P, whatever, is that you know most of us will spend 20 25 bucks a month on garbage that we just don't need you know things in your life that you acquire that you'll just spend on you know my brother back in the day was like gum <laughs> he would spend money on just candy and shit that would be gone in mm -hmm. a half hour and my parents were always just like you know if you buy something like a tangible item you might be able to have it for a while and he was like no thank you uh but we we want to give you tangible items by things like downloads things that you can hear but my point is this if you took that $25 a month and spread it out amongst, I'm not saying give it all to me. If you want to, that's fine. But if you spread it out amongst five or six creators and everybody that did that, you know, and, and you just, just five or six, I'm not saying you got to do it to every single thing that you listen to, but the people that aren't supported by big giant ad revenue networks and stuff like that, that don't have millions and billions of subscribers, you could actually help support keep and keep that show and make actually have people make a living off of what they do and what they love to do and what you love getting, you know? So if it's a couple of bucks here, a couple of bucks there, I don't care if it's just us or if it's not even us, if it's other people, man. But uh, I get, I do what I pr practice, what I preach. If you look at my Patreon, you can see that I give money out to other people because frankly, 
I think the people that work work their asses off to give you guys, uh, you know, great uh, content deserve that money. So if you want to do that, that'd be fantastic. So patreon.com slash the film find. Anywho, let's go ahead and uh, open up the old uh, film find mailbag. Bales here. All righty. Uh, we don't get a ton of emails, but when we do, we love to receive them. The film and that find sounds at just like we, uh, It sounds just like we opened up the old preacher mailbag. Yeah, and the, the H&P, the mailbag. H&P mailbag. It's it's pretty much the one I use for all the shows. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, because I just don't want to record something else. <laughs> well, not only that, but uh, as, as we've learned from trauma, when you shoot something very expensive, mm-hmm. like a car flipping over, uh, use that in every movie. By God, for, you use it every time you can. Uh, so this one is from, uh, speaking of Patreon, uh, someone who supports us on uh, patreon.com slash the film. Fine. Maria. Uh, hey, guys, I have a few questions for you. In general, out of all your favorite movies, which are the most heart-wrenchingly sad? As well as the most fall-out-of-your-seat hilarious. For me personally, Sad, Marley and Me, Schindler's List, Miss You Already, My Girl, and Love Story. Let's let's take that one to begin. Let's take the sad ones to begin with. What do you got for like your most heart-wrenchingly sad movies? Oh, shit, man. Uh, you're just springing this on me? You yeah. Know, you've had this email, and you, <laughs> and you like, didn't tell me to prep for anything. Yeah, I like to watch you squirm, bitch, squirm. Uh, well, I'll, I'll have to tell you... Um, like I, uh, you and I have talked about this. Uh, you and I both uh, get really involved in in movies, mm-hmm. uh, sad ones, uh, as well as well as anything else. Um, here's a surprising one that I think is actually really sad and gets to me in a in a profound way. And I think it's a really lovely film that, uh, since it came out, um, has kind of been mostly overlooked or forgotten. Um, it's from 2005. Um, it's the, uh, the constant gardener. Hmm. Okay. Uh, if you, if you've never seen that film, it's technically a, uh, mystery spy film, right? About a, um, uh, a widower who's, uh, investigating this, uh, secret that his wife was murdered over, uh, involving this multinational corporation. Right. Um, but it's it's not like a happy movie. It's not a spy thriller in the way that like the Bond films or even something as somber as uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is. It, it really is about uh, this man's loss and his uh, need for vengeance in a very profound way, I think. Um, so that one is, I think, a surprising one. I, like even when I saw it, I was not surprised. I was not expecting to be uh, as moved as uh, I was. Um, yeah, do you have one? And then I'm going to think on this a little more. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like sad in movies that I cry at can be very different things. Uh, because I will I will cry at like happy points in movies and, and things that can be almost like happy sad, like kind of E.T., for example. Uh, uh-huh. I, I cry like a bitch at E.T. all the time. And it's not the point that everyone... everyone seems to me that they say that they cry at which is when you know he's he's there and he's dying and stuff i don't cry at that uh-huh. i i cry when he's leaving 
to me, that's to me that's the heart wrenching moment for for that right there. Is this kid uh, took his entire life and stuff was really kind of an outcast, didn't have a whole bunch of friends and stuff, and he meets a new friend from another planet who literally because he needs to live cannot be on this planet, and so the only person, the only being that he's ever been connected with, uh, has to go in order to live. And, you know, the, this alien who, who just has barely taught himself to speak, you know, somewhat slight English basically says, hey, look, I'm always going to be with you and I'm going to, you know, I, I have to leave because I cannot stay here. But, you know, our experience, everything that we've had together, that's going to always be inside you. You're always going to be there. And like to me, that's a big giant thing. I mean, Schindler's List, for example, as she pointed out. Uh, while a movie about, you know, horrific atrocities and things like that, um, I, I didn't necessarily cry during those parts because it was like, it was almost one of those things that's like so real and like, you, it's not something that you don't know about, I guess, in a way, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the thing that made me really cry in that is, uh, that, that doesn't many often in other films is selflessness. When Oscar Schindler at the end is looking at all of, all of these people that he's helped save, Everything he looks at is another opportunity to have saved someone else. He goes, look at this watch. I could have gotten three people for this watch, this car. Everything he sees, everything he owns, he wanted to you know, just rid his life of everything. And every turn that he makes, he sees another chance that he could have to save another life. As many as he saved, he feels like he could do more. And to me, the, that selflessness is what you know made me cry in that film. Uh, so to me, it's just, it's the things that like, I don't just want to say like gut wrenchingly sad stuff, but I think more things make me sad, make me cry at least in, in movies of just like uh, selflessness and things of that nature, uh, bonds of friendship and stuff like that. Um, uh, Les Mis for heaven's sake. Oh my gosh. I, I will, I, I still to this day when I'm listening to, uh, uh, you know, some of the songs in that thing, man, will just will just tear the hell up, man. It's big time. When Anne Hathaway's big giant number comes up, I can just pull that up on YouTube and just cry like a bitch right in front of you. It's just so damn good. And God, she deserved that Oscar for that. Yeah, I agree, actually. Uh, so I think good. we might be the only two people that agree outside of the voting people at the Oscar voting. I, she, it was so good. I mean, like I said, I can just watch that on YouTube, even without the rest of the movie, and I'm just like, oh, just going every single time, man. So, so for my actual entry, I'm going to do two that are also like, I never really think about them other than I've seen them both again, uh, recently and, and yeah, they fucking work and they're, they're both written, uh, by the same person, uh, Larry McMurtry. So what he, uh, the guy in my three sons, (laughs) (laughs) Larry McMurtry is a writer. He's most famous for having written Lonesome Dove. But back in the 80s, uh, he, uh, he wrote a book uh, that James L. Brooks turned into a movie called Terms of Endearment. And uh, that movie is a real te- tearjerker uh, that, I, that I really love. It's got some great uh, performances in it. Um, the other one that I saw pretty recently, and I just uh, – I, I remember losing it in the theater – at the end of this film. Um, I believe it was also 2005, uh, maybe 2004, but, uh, broke back mountain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, like when, at the end of the film, right. When, uh, he opens the closet door and, and the, and, and the, uh, just the, um, jacket and hat are in there. Mm-hmm. 
I, I fucking lost it. <laughs> yeah, I and, see that. And, and when I saw it again recently, I did the same thing. Uh, <laughs> that movie fucked me up. Uh, I don't know. So, so those are, those are two. Uh, what was the other part? The comedy stuff? So, so let's, let's, so for her list over on the funny section here, we have old uh-huh. school step brothers, the legend of Ricky Bobby, the 40 year old virgin and city slickers. Oh yes. Okay. So city slickers is great. I also really like all of those, uh, Will Ferrell, uh, John C. Riley pairings. Mm-hmm. Uh, step brothers, I think is hilarious. Um, so Step Brothers and, and the X Files sequel in the same day. If that wasn't the oddest double pairing <laughs> at the theater there ever was, did how'd you? Did, which one did you see first? Uh, I think we saw X Files first. <laughs> Smart. Okay, way. well that's probably good because I don't know if it would have held up at all under any circumstances. <laughs> no. if you if you'd seen Step Brothers, no, it'd be like, what is this, man? This is so not funny. Uh, <laughs> I just saw a guy who smashed his nutsack on a drum set. What is this alien business you're giving me? Yeah. Um, I, I have to say, uh, like, I'm going to go real old school here. I think one of the funniest movies uh, I've ever seen in my life, it's one of the funniest Hollywood comedies ever made, is, is The Thin Man. Mm. That's been so... I mean, I think I saw that back in film school. It, it holds up. I've been showing it to classes when I teach, and uh, they really get into it. I mean... Um, it's it's William Powell and Myrna Loy, mm-hmm. uh, who's like one of the great on screen comedy duos. Um, they made some more serious films uh, uh, with Warner, and um, it was not as successful uh, appearing, I don't think. But in in the Thin Man series, at least the first four of those films, but in the first one particularly, they are really great on screen together. And uh, William Powell. Um, he plays such a lush, right? I mean, they're, I can't even tell you how many gin martinis they drink in this movie. <laughs> um, it's just one after the other. Uh, so the thin man's really great. I'll also say if you, uh, so Maria, if you haven't seen that or anybody else listening, like definitely watch the thin man. It's pretty easy to find. It's a very, very, uh, popular old movie. Um, it's in black and white, but it like it moves along. It's a pretty brisk pace, um, and it stays hilarious throughout. Uh, I'll also say, like, I still lose my shit at Young Frankenstein mm-hmm. every time, every single time. There's just something about that movie that's so brilliant, and it's dabbling in multiple genres that I love, which is part of it. But it's also just, you know, it might be more quotable than blazing saddles. And I think that's saying something. Yeah. I, well, the, especially, I love blazing saddles. especially like, quotable in public. Up, right? <laughs> uh, What's that? I said, especially quotable in public. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, also like there are scenes in blazing saddles that are not quotable. Cause it would just involve you like farting a lot or whatever. Sure. <laughs> but you know, also not in public. So there you go. And talk to my brother. He, he can tell you otherwise on that one. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, uh, um, for me, and then, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One more. I want to offer one more. Uh, the Jerk. Oh, gosh, yes. It's still so goddamn good. Still so good. Uh, so that's, that's a classic, Steve Martin. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Adam. Uh, you mentioned it. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles is, my, is, my, is to me, the funniest movie of all time. And yeah, it's it, fucking good. And it makes it more so that there's no way in hell you could make that movie today. I mean, not no, no matter how hard you try, you you just could not. It, it's so crazy. It's so irreverent, 
And I mean, in the second half of the movies, uh, so different from the first half. I mean, when they start breaking the fourth wall and we get out onto sets and stuff and venturing onto the sets of other movies, <laughs> just all this other crap. It's just so good. I mean, like, I love Mel Brooks movies, period. I mean, honestly, you know, pick up the Mel Brooks box set if you haven't. Uh, right. Because it is, uh, it's well it's, worth it's, your money. It's just It's really full. cheap on Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I got it for Christmas a couple years ago, and it is just like everything in that is just so darn good. So just do yourself a favor and just pick that up. But yeah. um, that's that's probably what I'd go to for my just favorite comedy of well, all time. Well, it, it also has just you know on on the record here, uh, Blazing Saddles probably has Madeline Kahn's best performance. In it. Oh, she's so good. Gosh, she's so she's good so as good bunched up. Like she's so good. Just over the top, hilarious. Love it. Uh, she finishes up here, and I think we'll be able to answer this not too awful long. Now, quick question on it. What do you think about the casting of... Uh, now, this this email got to us a, a little bit before we, uh, you know, uh, this, I think, yep. last week. Uh, what do you think of the casting of Alexander Skarsgård's little brother, Bill, for the role of Pennywise? He's young and only 27. I liked him in Hemlock Grove, but wanted to see what you thought. Thanks, guys. Keep on keeping on and rocking. Maria from upstate New York. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll, uh, take this, I guess. Um, so the first time I ever saw, uh, Bill Skarsgård on screen was, uh, back in, uh, 2010 when I went to the Toronto film festival, uh, and he played a, a kid in the seventies, um, who starts working at a hotel in this movie called behind blue skies that I thought was very good. Uh, I don't think it ever got an official release here. Um, you can probably track down a dupe online or something like that, but, uh, he's been on my radar since then. And, uh, he's done some good work, um, that most people haven't seen. He's, he's good in, uh, in, uh, Joe Wright's Anna Karenina. Um, yeah, it's just uh, I like the guy, right? I think I got uh, laid after watching that movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, Anna Karenina. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, movie. probably. Uh, you know, Russian tragedies. Why not? Um, I think I I honestly believe it was because uh, because right after that it was a double feature, and then we put on uh, uh, uh what do you call it there? Fucking Marvin Gaye. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yes. Then we put on Marvin Gaye, and then it was just on. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, fuck me. Cusack movie. Why is my brain just taking a shit? Uh, high, like an old one? High Fidelity. High Fidelity. That's what high Fidelity. Okay. My brain is- I was almost going to guess gross point blank, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I don't know. Stories um, for Matt. <laughs> so, anyway, I like Bill Skarsgård. He's good. He was in Atomic Blonde earlier this year. Yeah, he's he's he, he's kind of a, had a, a few of those moments where it's just like not real big stuff, just kind of little bitty things. But I think we're gonna see some more st- stuff from him, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. So let's close up the old uh, film find mailbag here. Bales here. As always, you can email us at thefilmfind at gmail.com. That's thefilmfind at gmail.com. We do have an iTunes review here. Uh, This one comes to us from the UK. It comes from our our, our good pal, uh, Ollie. He says, uh, uh, (laughs) I left a review on the uh, UK iTunes. Thought I'd, wait a minute, that's for the HMP. My bad. 
I thought I had mm. I thought I had the other one open. I'm just Ali. Have you I, have you written us an uh, an email or one over for the film find? Go and do it. I thought it, it just pulled up the wrong email address here. So let's say he wrote it for us. So why not? Five star reviews. <laughs> he said the show. He basically said the show was great except for that Adam Portress guy. <laughs> Son of a uh-huh. bitch. It's all true. Anyways, uh, we we taking up a good time. Do you have any what you've been watching real quick or? Uh, yeah, I, I do uh, have a have a couple. Um, uh, I just want to very briefly say uh, I haven't watched the new episode yet. Um, I'll give a more complete review in a few weeks once a few of them have been out. But uh, New American Horror Story, I'm on board. I mean, like that's not really a surprise. It's one of my favorite shows, but I think this season's going to be really uh, weird. Um, it's already starting off pretty good. It's like first scene is uh, Donald Trump wins the election in uh, November 2016. And then uh, like Evan Peters uh, character humps, uh, humps the TV screen and uh, blends a bunch of Cheetos and smears them all around his face. Uh, so wait, 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 we all didn't do that. Good. <laughs> it's already fucking good. And, and bug nuts uh, in the best way that American horror story can be. And then, and then there are clowns. I think I saw a Twitter review of it. Uh, I know I saw a Twitter review of it the, uh, the day after the premiere that said uh, American horror story stuff you're actually dealing with. And also clowns. Um, Is this their last season with that? No, they are. They are currently renewed through nine or ten right now. Oh wow! I thought uh, they were toying around with, the, with with kind of finishing it up after last year. Nope. Okay. Going strong. Um, let's see. Uh, anyway, I'll weigh in with more of that. I just think it's really good so far. Um, there are a bunch of people who have not even shown up yet who are in the cast. Uh, so we'll see how that gets going. Um, the other thing, last week I, I reviewed two movies that I thought were shit, uh, Snatched and uh, Baywatch, mm-hmm. and um, promised that there was a movie that I hated more than those. Oh, boy. And, and so here we are with it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I normally like this guy. Uh, in fact, his name is Guy. His last name is Richie. Uh, King Arthur Legend of the Sword is the worst movie I've seen this year. Yowza. It is, I cannot tell, like, I went and re- read reviews uh, after I watched the movie just to see what everybody had, had said about it, because I knew it got overwhelmingly negative reviews. Um, I don't think any of them actually do justice to how bad this movie is. Really? I just, hmm. Yeah, like, like, I did not read the absolute evisceration of this shit movie that, it deserves. I hate your guts now that it's, you make me want to watch it. It well, I'll I'll send it to you. Ugh. I've got a I've got a copy. But uh there's nothing good about it. Everybody is bad in it. There's not a good performance in the whole damn thing. Um it's they're all somewhere between uh barely emotive and uh over earnest to just uh what the fuck movie are you in? Um, so you're trying to tell me what I've known all along in that Charlie Hunnam can't act. Hmm. He's especially bad in this. I'll say that, right? Like regardless of your other opinion about him, like this is a, this is a Charlie Hunnam performance for the ages. Um, Jude law, notably also terrible. Hmm. I, I didn't know that he actually had something this bad in him. 
but it's there. And I, I wonder for Jude Law, at least, if it's because he read the thing and was like, oh, I need a paycheck and then just like didn't give a fuck. What's the hairline like in this one? Uh, you know, I can't remember because mostly he's wearing like a crown. Ah, son of a bitch. Because the plot is, right, that he kills off Uther Pendragon. It's his brother, right? He's in line with all the uh, evil wizards. So he kills off Uther, takes the throne, and then Arthur comes up years later and uh, overthrows him. Um, I I thought for a minute from the previews that they were going to do something that I've recently started to hate because it happens all the time. Like that, uh, this is the real history behind the legend kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and it definitely has that vibe, especially if you've seen the trailers, but the one thing that is a positive about it is that it doesn't do that. It really just takes the fantasy element and runs with it. Um, which was nice for the first five minutes. And then you got settled into what was happening. You're like, Ooh, this is not good. Uh, so anyway, I just want to give that movie a shout out. It's a stinker. Uh, if, if you've seen it, uh, you know what I'm talking about, sadly. Um, and I'm just really disappointed because I really liked both of the Guy Ritchie Sherlock movies. Yeah. Those, I, thought, those were fun. I thought those were fun. Um, Jude Law's fun in those movies. And here it's just like, I think he probably did it because uh, Guy Ritchie asked him to do it and they couldn't get another Sherlock Holmes off the ground, right? So hmm. it's bad. It's fucking terrible bad. <laughs> like like really bad CG, really – like for no reason, really bad CG. Uh, clearly this movie had a budget. I don't know where the fuck it went. Yeah, uh, I forget because like he had like an interesting um... – an interesting interview on Joe Rogan by the time this movie came out and everything. Um, it felt like he wasn't it, it to me, it felt like he wasn't super behind it as much as he could have been. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if something happened. I haven't looked into anything that he's said about it, but we'll see. Um, so that's what I've been watching. What about you, Adam? Um, not a ton. Now I will say this. Uh, I've gotten, because I'm I'm kind of almost preparing for the movie because the new trailer uh, for the Disaster Artist came out. Have oh my God! This? Fuck yes, looks, that trailer's awesome. It looks so good, and yeah. uh, I'm currently listening to the book on audio right now. Uh, all right, ri- uh, and it's read by Greg Sestero, which is fantastic because he does all the voices. Hell yeah! So when you're when you're going through it, it's, <laughs> so he's it's, doing Wazo. He's doing Wazo's voice. It's so <laughs> great. Honestly, it's just like. You know, even people that I think are, are normally like, go ahead and just read the book. No, no, you probably should listen to this audiobook because he just does, oh, hi, Mark. He just does the voice all throughout. It's uh, it's good so far. I'm only about probably two hours in. It's only it's only like a 10 hour, 10, 11 hour book. So you'll be able to get yeah. through it pretty quick. Yeah, that's uh, great. It means it'll be like a 20 hour movie. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm excited for it, man. <laughs> and like when you start, you can, you, you're already hearing things in it where you're just like that they've captured completely from watching the trailers and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be, it's all, it's, it's on good, man. And I think that's coming out in like December. Yeah. It's soon. So it's they, um, that, uh, they fast track that thing. And, uh, I forget was but i have a friend who is convinced that that movie is actually like some weird serbian ponzi scheme the pat oswald made a whole bit about it he made like a he was made, it him too? He made my friend was talking about it like when it fucking came out and became a weird thing well pat oswald basically filmed like a sketch that came on one like as like an extra on one of his uh albums that uh-huh. was basically saying that now this was before like hit like it did 
I mean, no, it, like it, yeah, it was, like, people my, knew my about it, but it wasn't like what it is today. So, so is it about like the like investors just aping money off of people? Yeah, basically how it's just like it's it's a big I'm giant have to figure out scam. who told me this that wasn't Patton Oswalt. Neither berate them or figure out if I need to berate Patton Oswalt. Yeah, it's but the book so far is very interesting. So, uh, just a lot of the mystery and boy. You, it's like as much as you think, like, oh, well, well, he'll be able to tell us some of the mystery and stuff. He, even even Greg doesn't know. <laughs> even like he's just like, oh, forget about that. No, oh, why do you do this? It's just there. It's all secrecy. It's all kind of craziness. But to hear some of the stuff that's going on, I cannot wait to see this in film form. Uh, so uh, that's my recommendation for you, disaster artist. Uh, I just want to see both the Francos working it out on screen, bro. It's it's gonna be good. It's it's just it's gonna be exactly what I think we all want it to be. Uh, but I'm I'm so I'm so excited for that. Um, and the other thing we'll talk about when we do our Patreon special, I watched the uh, the It miniseries, so we'll talk about that as well. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched it. I've wanted to get it in before, but I just wasn't able to scrounge up the time. Uh, but I do have on the DVR uh, the Orville, which I kind of want to watch just to see what it is, what it's like. Yeah. It's new. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a hard pass. I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna give at least an episode or two a shot just to just to kind of see because frankly, I just I need some sort of like sci-fi fix like that, and I just don't feel like paying for the CBS All Access Pass to actually watch Star Trek on the line like a fucking rube. Well, I mean, eventually it'll be available. So <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but before we move on to our main reviews, though, I do want to pull a uh, pull out a. Krista sent us a, a link to an article. Did you get a chance to see that? I don't think so. Uh, she she sent an article. I forget where it was from. Uh, I don't know. One of those websites like Bleeding Cool or Shock Shock Till You Drop or one of those fucking things. Um, shake and shake, Shimmy. I'm not on Twitter uh, currently. So uh, anyway, yeah, she, she wants she to she wants to know what your deal is with that. Uh, I just, I, I was wasting too much time being pissed off about bullshit. So I gave what? It a, that doesn't sound like the Matthew Smith. I know. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like exactly the Matthew Smith. Everybody knows. <laughs> uh, so I'm just taking a break. Cause I got a bunch of shit I need to get done by the end of the month. Um, but I'll be back on there. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, anyway, this article is like, it, it lists out, I think it's like 40, uh, and ranks like quote all the Stephen King adaptations. Right. Okay. It doesn't fucking rank all the Stephen King adaptations. <laughs> so, she, so she sent me this list and like toward the bottom, like uh, number 37 or 38, it lists out Return to Salem's Lot, right? Which is not good. Mm -hmm. Guess what movie does not appear anywhere on the list at all, especially above it where it belongs at the t toward the top Salem's lot <laughs> Salem's lot so you got Salem's the sequel but you don't have the on the fucking list return to Salem's lot makes the cut for some fucking reason <laughs> so what in the world it it also does not include like several of the TV things and from what I can tell one or two of the movies granted I was scrolling through on my phone and the site was loading like shit because it's not configured for mobile what? but you know that's what it was um, it, it, look, uh, she tagged the film find in it. She added, added it. So like, just retweet it out for people. It's a shit list. It's fucking garbage. Wow. Um, mostly the middle of the list is just all fucking wrong and mixed up. Um, the, the top tier, we all know what they are, right? 
You got it's your Green like, Mile. You got your Shawshank. Uh, Mile's pretty far down, actually. Really? Yeah, which I also find bizarre. Shawshank's like got to be number one, though, right? Shawshank's number one. And then, then from there, it ends up being like uh, like Carrie. Um, uh, shit. Uh, the Shining. Mm-hmm. Something else. Uh, big like that. But see, The uh, Shining is, is not a great King adaptation. That's the best part. Right. <laughs> it's like, I, that's not really well, even, that's well, not even really so. Look, man, all I know is that, uh, like, Salem's Lot is not on the list. And that movie, uh, we'll talk We'll talk about the It miniseries later, but that is better than the It miniseries. Salem's Lot has creepier moments than the It miniseries, by far. Where it they, came out 20 years before that. Where'd they place the Shining miniseries? Was that anywhere? No, it's not on there. Because that's, that's, I like that movie. The, I, it's, the, I mean, the Nightmare, it's, and, Nightmares and Dreamscapes adaptation is not on there. Uh, I don't think Storm of the Century is on there, or maybe it is, and that's why I thought that the Shining one not being on there was weird. It's just all over the fucking. That's place. what like, I don't like is these things that are like here's shit? the How definitive are you list. All of this shit, and you yeah. don't even rank all the shit. The definitive this list, and it doesn't, and it's not definitive because it doesn't include everything. Yeah. Anyway, but but the most bizarre is that like where the fuck is Salem's Lot? It just blew my mind after after I realized that was like I just did a quick scroll and once I realized that was not on the list I was like this is horseshit I'm not reading this <laughs> you can't even be bothered to hand like this is one of the good ones one and two you've already listed the sequel what the fuck ridiculous anyway I guess we I guess we should re- review some new movies speaking now. of ridiculous let's go ahead and take a look at the trailer for Home Again our first new release. How are we feeling? First day, new school, are you nervous? I'm feeling exhausted, hopeless, and I don't enjoy the things that I once loved. Where are you getting this from? The Zolash commercial, obviously. There's this really sweet guy in my yoga class. I've only been separated for five months. Girls, it's my birthday. Let's Hi. So I'd like to offer to buy you drinks. Really? The manager is making me ask for your ID. Okay. (laughs) By the way, I'm definitely old enough to drink alcohol. Me too. Obviously. I just always act out on my birthday. It's like my own personal New Year's Eve. I just go like, what? And I just reel it back to normal. Did you watch these? I did, but um, only because I was doing a load and I've been up since 5.30. Hurry up, you guys. What are you guys doing home? I thought Nana was taking you to school. You're acting weird. Oh my God. Thank you very much for everything, Mrs. Um, and you are? I like them. Namaste, I'm Teddy. But they're dead broke. So I thought they could stay here. Stay here? Try looking at this as something that could be sort of exciting. Okay, guys, let's just do our best not to cramp each other's style. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna grab that and flush down the toilet. I don't know your ex, but he must be some kind of maniac to have let you slip through his hands. You know I'm 40, right? Uh, yeah, I knew that. Like, Balmer. Oh my god, tell me you see him too. What are you doing here? Oh god, I just can't think straight. Is that one of them? Did you tell dad about your play? Will he stay for it, daddy? When is it again? Next Next Friday. Friday. I miss our family. Let's fix this. 
you make a decision about your life when you're 25 years old, you think, was that like a good life decision for the rest of your life? You seem to be handling everything really well. Okay, let's eat. It's gonna be good. Bye. Good night. All right, that was the trailer for Home Again, our first new release review of the week. Here's the IMDb plotline. As we know, IMDb always 100% correct in everything they say and or do. Life for a single mom in Los Angeles takes an unexpected turn when she allows three young guys to move in with her. This is written and directed by Haley Myers Sh uh, Shiler. Sure. Uh, starring Reese Witherspoon, Nat Wolf, Lake Bell, uh, Pico Alexander, Michael Sheen, Candace Bergen, and uh, many more. Uh, so the name Meyer might sound a little bit familiar to you. Uh, that's because of Nancy Myers. This is Nancy Myers, uh, young daughter who, uh, has been in many of Nancy Meyer film, uh, back from the parent trap to, uh, what you call it, father of the bride and things of that nature. So she kind of acted in some stuff and now she's actually doing her own thing, man. Yes, indeed. Here's, and, here's a question. Okie doke. Uh, I don't know what her thing is. What, what do you mean? Uh, what What do you think she's doing in this movie? Like like Myers' kid, what is she doing with this movie? Uh, I mean, she's kind of trying to just aping her mom a little bit, if we're honest. And and doing way too much. Yeah, it's a little. So okay, expound. So what I mean is, plot wise, this movie has way too many things going on. And none of them are satisfying. No, that's the biggest thing. Is ultimately this movie is not satisfying on any of the fronts that it attempts to. Yeah, you have you have, from what I can tell, uh, like four separate plot lines. Right mm -hmm. there, there's Reese Witherspoon moving home uh, to Los Angeles into her father, who is an who is a filmmaker, a very famous filmmaker, uh, into her father's house. Um, with her children, recently separated from her husband, who is a uh, record producer in New York. Um, so that's plot one. Plot two is these three guys, uh, played by um, Nat Wolf, Pico Alexander, and uh, what's his name from SNL? John Rudnitsky, right? Um, he was only on there for like a season, I think. Uh, anyway, um, you have those three guys. They're this like screenwriting, directing, acting combo team that are now moved to LA and struggling to get a project off the ground. That's plot two. Uh, plot three is uh, Reese Witherspoon's uh, character, uh, Alice Kinney, um, meets uh, these three dudes out for her 40th birthday party or while she's on her at her 40th birthday party out somewhere mm -hmm. uh, and, and comes back. Um and then they end up moving in with her, uh, and there's like a weird, um, well, there's a very standard uh, new love plot, which for some reason also has a shoehorned in love triangle uh, like plot, which uh, like doesn't need to be there. Which almost is literally just written all of that out, and it wouldn't have made a difference at all. Which almost in a way isn't even quite a finished triangle either. No. Um, and then, it's right? Like an angle. <laughs> Then you have the the uh, like Reese Witherspoon um, 
starting her new job identity plotline, which also goes nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Uh, and and so I really don't know. I mean, this movie is only an hour and 30-something minutes long. It feels like it's longer than that, doesn't it? It feels longer, and none of it goes anywhere. It's, it's not really focused on Reese Witherspoon's character. It's not really focused on the three dudes. It's not... I feel like the most satisfying performance and plot line out of all of this is maybe Candace Bergen's character. She's the, like, yeah. like Alice's mom, who's this former actress. And she, she's only in like three or four scenes. And she's great, though. Oh, she's great. She steals every bit of uh, the movie she's in. Uh, unsurprisingly, because Candace Bergen's fucking amazing. Yeah, and man, uh, when they show those those older, and, and it's always it's also nice to have somebody that's been in Hollywood that long. They have right. like a lot of old footage of her. Man, what a knockout back in the day. Well, I mean, you know, it's also like she's funny as shit. Oh yeah, right? she's so uh, great. Like, I mean, I was like, such a like Murphy Brown cho- fan. Those chops from uh, from uh, from her Murphy Brown days are still there, right? Oh, the yeah. weird sardonicism and all of that stuff. It's still there. And it's great to see it. Uh, she's like, what, 70, 71 now? That sounds about um, right. Anyway, uh, I I also think that this movie has one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a lead actor. Uh, are we talking Nat Wolf? Uh, no, he's fine, I think. Really? It's weird, but compared to the guy playing his brother, Harry, who's the love interest... Oh, oh, my bad. I got him backwards. I got him backwards. Yeah, Nat Wolf's the actor brother. Yeah, Nat Wolf's the cat from... Uh, he's fine. He's, he's from, uh, what do you call it, Death Note. That's that's the wrong cat. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah he's the, from Death Note and uh, that Naked Brothers band show in Disney. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, um, yeah, the Pico yeah. Alexander. Yeah, he sucks he, so he, hard, dude. He's so bad. He, every line is delivered like this. Like he, It's like... And the character is so horribly written, too. It's so bad. Uh, I don't think any of those characters, like the screenwriter, George, right? John Rudnitsky's character. He's at least semi-endearing. Yeah, you kind of like him at least. You kind of like him. But all of those characters are so poorly written in general. And Pico Alexander's character in particular, that you just get this vibe of like, man, these this is exactly the fucking bullshit Hollywood dude bro shit that I want nothing to do with ever. But it's, it's like watching, watching entourage without any self-awareness. It's wor- right? I think because, it's, no, I think they it's, have virtue. Like they like, and they're presented as like people who are actually going to make, they probably will because they're douchebags. No, I don't even think it's that. I think I just, I just think they're but, woefully but underwritten and the problem, that's true, but he's also just really bad. He's no, so bad. He's, Watching him in this movie was like was like uh, how people talk about Keanu Reeves. No, you're absolutely right. Like Keanu Reeves is actually really fucking amazing actor uh, when you when you like start to break him down a little bit and get to like his more advanced roles and yeah. stuff. This guy is like the the parody version of Keanu Reeves. He's that bad, and the character itself is just he's terrible. He's, he's not likable in any kind of he's way. A bad he's a human being. He's I don't know what his goal bag. is. With, like, yeah, there's there's actually not any chemistry between him and Reese Witherspoon. Not at all. No, it's there between 
between her and her ex-husband she divorces right they they <laughs> right? they seem but here's the thing and it's also just like once he comes back we're gonna think oh well this might be a and because it's weird because with these three guys coming in it almost it because and it all breaks down to like uh, what is this movie trying to say because they got these three guys in here and they're all kind of taking different aspects of the kind of male male role in a relationship that was you know gone by the missing husband. Uh, one's kind of helping take care of the kids, the other one's kind of focusing and helping her with her career and stuff, and another one is you know the sex interest and stuff like that, yeah. right? So it's like oh it takes a village, it takes like three guys to really equal up what one real man would be or whatever. Then that right. kind of goes to the wayside. Michael. Sheen's character comes in and you think oh well this might because the kids are happy to see to see him she's she she doesn't I, I don't feel like uh Reese Witherspoon's character hates him by any means but no. uh, but, but, but eventually but when she like, asks for the divorce it seems like it doesn't it doesn't match uh it's just there's so much incongruity in everything in this it, it just seems like they didn't know what to do yeah and then it's, when we get I, to I also feel like on a technical level it like it feels like it's a Nancy Myers movie, mm-hmm. but uh, but poorly made, and that and that's not saying that like the scenes aren't well directed or whatever. Like the, I feel like the direction is maybe fine uh, outside of like putting some fucking time on those performances, maybe. Um, but it feels although, like somebody aping Nancy Myers' like, style. Like, no, but yeah, it feels like somebody aping uh, Nancy Myers' style, which is understandable. Um, but it's all, it's just, it's also just constructed very poorly. Like the editing's bad. Some of it's choppy. There are all these weird, um, like cuts to, uh, uh, like insert shots. And then like, you'll get like a back and forth between characters and then it'll immediately cut away. There's not, not really usually any establishing shot for any fucking thing. It's weird, right? Like. It's just a weirdly edited film, and so it feels off somehow. Like, it feels like you're watching a Nancy Myers movie that's been chopped to shit. Because Nancy Myers will make a two hour, 10 minute movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, but this is an hour, this is like all of that compressed down and getting rid of like all the things where those plot threads might have been semi satisfying in a Nancy Myers film. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. It's just like it feels like something that could should work, but definitely just doesn't. It falls just drastically short. And then by the end, it's just like, well, you know, they stay divorced, which is fine. I get that. But they stay divorced. They all hang out at the end of it. They all just hang out like it's all cool in the gang. Like they're all one big family now. Yeah, I thought Uh, at some point, honest to God, I thought we were doing a Bob Carroll, Ted, and Alice sort of thing when this shit was going on. After the weirdest iteration of the cliched will they make it to the child's elementary school finale ever which why is that still a thing i mean it worked earlier this year in fistfight but it was because there was a a fucking rap song performed yeah it was like yeah because it turned that cliche on its delivery to it yeah uh here's the weirdest thing about this movie for some reason I feel like Reese Witherspoon still showed up to work and I don't know why <laughs> she's yeah. like the only one outside of Candace Bergen who I don't feel like was even working. She was just like, I'm fucking awesome. So I'll, I'm I'll show up and just, and just, you know, just bang on these lines real quick here. And it's not yeah. going to take much effort from me. Yeah. Let, let me, sh- let me show you what 45 years in this business gets you. Boom. Um, but, but like Reese Witherspoon shows up to work. I feel like she's got a good performance here. It's just, it does not match this movie uh, quality wise. I don't think. 
Yeah, and like I, I don't know, but like and then like her kind of disdain for uh, Michael Sheen's Austin character, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, basically her complaint was is, oh, you know, we used to go out partying when we were younger and stuff, and now, you know, we got to settle down. We're a little bit older. We got kids and stuff. And he's basically agreeing with that statement. He still does some of the things, but he's starting to get back on that a little bit and then decides to uproot his entire life and business over in New York and do it. But I think the lesson here, and and this is... So I understand why she's not with him, because he's never going to do that. The problem is... uh, the film does not actually uh, demonstrate that well enough. That's my point. Right? So, like, I get it. Make me dislike him logic, or understand it's it. It's just like, yeah. I, I, do, I do feel, like, seriously, like there's half an hour of this movie line somewhere that makes some of this palatable. Yeah, and 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 I'm sorry, but like the Harry character, fuck that guy because I mean you got two other people that are in your trio and everything, but if like because they got successful off of like a YouTube video that they thought was really good, so they fly to California to kind of. Well, I, I think it was their they they had done it at like a like it was a festival. It was a festival. Show. It was a festival. But right? Yeah, you're right. That that now it's on YouTube because you know after it does the festival circuit, what the fuck else are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Right? So they do they do their thing and they're out there in Hollywood and stuff and like it's a this guy's all like one for all in all for one sort of thing and the hell if you guys you know if you get separate job offers and stuff they're literally camping out in this lady's pool house and he's just like dude what are you doing taking other jobs and homeboy's like dude we have to eat we have to go we can't be living in this lady's house. <laughs> forever yeah that let me take a job subplot is like why is he pissed off that they're trying to make money so they and <laughs> like it's like move off and then your this. your brother who is like the actor let him go and act and stuff and guess what if he becomes like a bigger and better actor and everything then the chances of you actually getting funding for your movie and stuff are going to only increase you dipstick what an yeah. idiot the, like it's such an unlikable character. He doesn't have any personality whatsoever. You can't see what the Alice character sees in this guy whatsoever, except that you know he's probably a good lay. But that's about it. He's so boring and so terrible. I guess you have to have those other two guys to make up for his lack of personality. Yeah. Don't see this movie. It sucks. Don't see it unless you're a Reese Witherspoon purist, and I know that there are those. Uh, this movie's not good. Yeah, and, and then, I, I, I kind of wanted it to be. And there were various moments where, like, I did laugh. Most of them surrounding Candace Bergen. No, the um, best line in everything was when she's on that date with the other guy, and he, and uh, like the scene just starts out. He just he I can't remember the line precisely, but it's just like, and my brother went and uh, you know he almost fell off that boat and stuff. So that's why I'm not allowed to ride boats anymore, or something along those lines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That was a that was a that was a everyone yeah. in the theater laughed out loud on that joke. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 not really worth your time. And I know a lot of ladies were just like, "Oh, we're gonna have a girls' night and go see this." There's so many other things that you can see. Don't see that. Well, I I don't know that that's true. Well, I'm uh, I'm not talking about right now. I'm just talking about in but, general. Go yeah, rent don't, a, make, don't re- make this your girls' night. If you if you haven't seen The Intern, go. It, that's a Nancy Myers movie that's They've good. Seen that. Everybody's. I don't fucking know about that. I do. People are weird. All right, let's get on to it, kids. Here's the trailer for it. When you're a kid, I think the universe revolves around you. They think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day, you realize that's not true. Because 
when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. Until it's too late. is cursed that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing an evil thing Georgie goes missing. Or one of us. Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, trailer for it our second new release review of the week imdb plotline a group of bullied kids band together when a shape-shifting demon taking the appearance of a clown begins haunting children hmm. is directed by andy machetti is that how we say it i think it's machetti machetti uh, right? it sounds that way he's uh, argentine argentina uh, written by right. Chase Palmer and uh, Carrie uh, Fuganaga, and written also rewritten then by uh, Carrie or Gary rather Doberman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Matt, uh, were you a big? F- so you've read the book and everything, yeah? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I'm still in the middle of rereading it. Uh, I haven't read it probably since undergrad or end of high school. I forget, and then. Uh, I read it when I was uh, like 13, like a lot of people our age, uh, like right around 13 or 14 or so. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a fan. I had fond memories of the uh, miniseries, which we'll uh, talk about on our standalone episode. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I've gotten yeah. through about uh, I, I got I've gotten through about a, about a fourth of the book. Mm-hmm. So uh, while I haven't read all of it, I, I got a I got a good I got a good feeling for the first act, if you will. Yeah, which, uh, you know, this plays into somewhat heavily. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of it, for sure. That's yeah. why when like when the tra- when the first like kind of uh, extended trailer that was on the beginning of Annabelle, where it was like the first two minutes where Georgie's kind of following the boat and everything and sees Pennywise at the uh, sewer and whatnot, uh, it was just, it was like the book coming to life because it is like straight up, pretty much word for word, exactly what happened. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's what I understand the director coming in because this thing had been kind of uh, looming in the background for some time now. This had been uh, they've been trying to put this together. Uh, so Gary Fukunaga, who did the uh, uh, True Detective, right? Yes. 
uh, he was trying to do it. They, uh, him and the studio couldn't quite come to an agreement. So he kind of right. left, and like they still stayed with a good bit of his screenplay, from what I understand. But uh, the director came back in, and they decided we're going to try to, you know, insert more book stuff and have it be a little bit more the kind of I don't want to say creature feature per se, but uh, from what I understand, the original screenplay was a little bit more um, heady, I guess you could say. Uh huh. That, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. that was more about kind of feelings and uh, the the psychology of the kids and stuff like that, as opposed to it being kind of like a real thing. So right, which is not entirely unlike the novel. Right, I mean, there's always varying degrees the, the and no- stuff. The novel gets fucking weird, by the way. Like, <laughs> I don't know if people who've only seen the miniseries or this film adaptation know this, but like, the novel, uh, preteen sex aside, gets really fucking weird. There's stuff with turtles. <laughs> yeah, like the turtle who birthed, right? Like, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, stuff. well, I mean, listen, when you're straight high on cocaine in the 80s or late and- 70s and stuff. And I'm sure at this point um, that the sequel will maybe deliver some of that weirdness. That's what it seems like. Now, also, now not getting ahead of ourselves here, uh, yes. but they said that uh, in the sequel and stuff, he does plan on using the kids a bit. So the, it's not like the kids are gone yeah. forever. Well, I, I'm sure that we'll get some of them uh, in there because um, not, not only will you have to show flashbacks uh, that are not necessarily just the same scenes, right? Cause that even happens in the miniseries a little bit. Um, it, it's all about like remembering things, mm-hmm. right? Because in the novel, I don't know if you've gotten this far, but, uh, I, I forget at what point it actually starts showing up or becoming implied. Like the implication is that the town of Derry has some sort of like psychic block, Placed on it, right? So, and like, like even don't, in, literally, don't remember any of this. Shit. Like, even in the book, because at, at the end of this movie, and of course, like everything we do over here at the film, find spoilers for all, for all this. Uh, like at the end, where they cut their hands and stuff like that. Um, you know, they talk about it in the book, where you know, he like somebody looks down at their hand, and it's just like you know, as an adult looks down at their hand, and just kind of like, oh, it's like I almost didn't even see the scar. It's like the scar almost magically reappeared when I was called and told what was kind of going on. So, you know, it's things like that to where, like, unless they know, right. they don't even they don't even see the literal scars that are on their hands. Or maybe you don't see them, you know. Right. Um, anyway, uh, look, we don't need to do speculation on this. Uh, what did you think of the film, Adam? I really enjoyed this thing, man. Uh, it is, uh, what, what are we looking at here? It's a two hours, two, 2.15 as far as the oh. time goes. Yeah, this two thing, hours, 15 minutes. It's it's one hour shy of the full miniseries length. Yeah, so you definitely get a full amount of stuff here. And uh-huh. so it doesn't feel like they're skimping uh, because, like I said, you know, you're looking at over a thousand page book. So there's, there's so much to cover. Um, but it feels like so much of what I've read in the book and like the um, the heart of it is really there. And I'll, I'll come back to this several times between this, uh, the miniseries, and the book. I think everything is very complementary of each other. I yeah. think having all of these things together give you such an appreciation of what this is. I think you can watch this movie 
and really appreciate you know what you've read in the book and also at the same time with the miniseries there's bits in that that aren't in this movie that are also kind of somewhat from the book so like i think everything is very complementary to each other yeah but i it's, think so too but it's it's a lot of fun uh, I enjoy, I, I think it was a smart move of them to move it up from the 50s to the 80s. Yeah, well, it kind of has to if you're going to, like, you don't want to make both films a period piece, right? Yeah, it's a little tougher that way, I'd say. Well, it's not only tougher, but like you risk uh, alienating a portion of the audience. Right. And of course, you know, the people that kind of grew up with the book and stuff like that, you know, the people that are in the kind of, you know, 30 to 40 year old range are really going right. to, you know, be dead on dead nuts on with, with what this movie is and the time period that it is. And they're going to be able to see themselves much like, you know, the people in, you know, the eighties where the, where the book takes place, you know, yeah. could, re, could go back to the fifties and relate to that. Right. Well, I mean, like the reason that so many of the, the back and forth childhood things are that Stephen King writes about the fifties so much, right. Is because he was, a yeah. kid in the 50s makes sense right? um so it makes sense just li- just like stranger things right like uh younger filmmakers now are like that's that is people in their 30s and 40s that's your childhood mm-hmm. um and uh so i think it, it speaks to a wider audience if you're able to do that like uh you know i i love the book uh i i do think the 50s are a little alienating for uh certain audience demographics right Mm -hmm. and and also it's just it's a clever update right because it is in many ways dealing with similar differences culturally uh over that 30 year span right the the differences in technology the differences in taste and and um clothing and uh music and just culture in general right like there's a big enough of a gap there that you're dealing with the same issues i think yeah and you're and you're scratching on the 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 nostalgia itch which is super hot you know and it has been for the last couple years now and and which it does uh in the novel quite well Mm -hmm. right like i I feel like that that novel became so huge not just because of uh like younger teens that were picking up because but because not only was stephen king a known quantity at that point right he had been like a known hit maker as far as novels and uh, screen adaptations go for a solid decade at that point. Um, But also like people had uh, a nostalgic expectation of how he would write about child, uh, childhood and that it would correspond with their own, uh, his adult readership. Right. Right. Um, You know, I think like any, any author uh, you're primarily speaking to the generation that you're a part of. Uh, unless you're writing children's literature. And even then, maybe you're not actually speaking to them that much. Um, anyway, uh, l- let me talk about this movie in just a second. Okay. Because um, I've seen a lot of uh, crazy reactions uh, that make no sense to me. A lot of people talking about how Pennywise is not scary. Uh, I, I, listen, I, I'm scared of all clowns, <laughs> so I'm not one to judge. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't know. I Look, I'm not going to sit here and argue that like everything Pennywise is doing in this movie is, is uh, scary, let's say. But I do want to point out, like, scary is very subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially when it comes to things that like Pennywise does both in the novel and here and even in the 1990 miniseries, right? There are these weird moments that are just like, well, this is not He's not necessarily Sometimes there's points where he's specifically not supposed to be scary. And specifically fucking with them for some, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like people that like, that's why they don't like the movie. You're missing the damn point. Yeah. A little bit. And here's why. Uh, more than anything, now that I'm not 13, right? The novel, it is creepy. It's really just overladen with creepiness. Mm-hmm. There's something about the uh, disjuncture between the older generation and the younger generations in the town of Derry about their own, the Losers Club's own memories of their youth. There's like a creepiness that just pervades that entire novel. And I think that comes through in this film adaptation very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I've seen people say is that they were bored by it. But I've seen this thing twice. And in fact, the second time, even after I knew what was going to happen, I think I found it more engaging. Yeah, for me, the second time, it just kind of felt like you're a little bit more because I I guess you kind of knew what was kind of going on and everything. And also I could live through the audience, most of which who I would assume had not seen it at that point because I saw it like I saw it Friday and then I saw it Saturday. So same. I saw it Thursday night and then I went and saw it Saturday. And so right. And so like the audience still responded in a very visceral way to this thing. Yeah, you knew it was Um, coming up and you're just like, let's see how everybody responds to this thing comes up. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's really great. I mean. The, uh, the slide projector scene itself is still... Re- I'm sorry, yeah. that's a scary scene, dude. It's it's creepy. It's good. I, I'd seen that... Look, that had been the most circulated scene in any of the trailers, right? We'd seen it in every trailer. But you I know you see, hadn't watched them, but I... But I, I don't said, think... You, didn't, you never saw the big pop, though, in the trailer, though, right? No, no, no. You never saw the big thing. You just saw it, like, start to go, and then the hair come off, right? So, right. But even then, you knew where it was going. And then it still worked. Mm-hmm. And then it pushed and then it pushed you a little bit further on. on. And that's what yeah. it's just like. Yeah, because and again, it all comes down to one of the biggest things in this movie that it has going for it is all of the kids actors are dynamite. They're all good. And I got to I got to tell you, they're all better than the ones in the miniseries. Not even not. It's not even not close, even a close competition. Yeah, it's just like, I, I mean, mean not not only, but like. For fuck's sake, you could take just the guy playing Bill and the guy and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Finn Wolfhard playing Richie mm-hmm. already a 300 percent improvement over the like the other kids could be shit. Yeah. And it would be a 300 percent. And even they're good. But, I mean, the kid who plays but, Ben but is fantastic. The kid who plays Beverly, she's fantastic. Everyone in this is so good. Yeah. I don't think we're surprising anybody when we say that we both really loved this movie. No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it it is now a lot of people. So I want to talk to you about this for a little bit because there are people that, uh, you know, for example, one of our Patreon listeners, Krista, who has read the book, uh, but does not want to go see the movie. She doesn't like right. scary movies or anything else yep. like that. So let's yep. talk about what I've heard from other people and uh, just say that the movie is not necessarily scary. And part of me says yes, part of me says no. I want to see where you fall up with this. 
what what do you mean? What is their criticism is that the movie is not necessarily scary? Right. That it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm like, frightened. Like I said, the movie is about what the I, I think that's all missing the point. Yeah. Uh, I think people have very conventional horror expectations of both the book and this film. And I don't know that either actually live up to those expectations. Because if you go back and reread the book, which I've been doing, I'm maybe a halfway through right now, right? Like, there's still really creepy moments. It's still, uh, you know, kind of intense at moments. But it's not really scary. It's an intense, pervasive creepiness Mm -hmm. that is punctuated by moments of like, holy shit, or like, I don't really know what in the fuck is happening. Like, that kind of stuff, right? The movie plays like that. And I think in that way, it really understands the book in a particular way that maybe people who have even read the book maybe don't understand it. Um, I don't I don't think that it matters that the film is or is not, quote unquote, scary. I think it is scary. Like I've said, I think that's subjective based on who you are. Yeah. But. But on top of that, I don't think it matters because what's really at the heart of the film is is this just mood of one generation not understanding or sticking up for or like the younger generation. Mm-hmm. There's this there's this constant like sins of the past, sins of the present kind of back and forth going on that is I, I find really fascinating in a, in a way that is completely not tied to whether or not Pennywise is scary or the movie is scary or whatever else. Right. Uh, These, these debates uh, about like what you find scary really bore me to tears. Uh, We've, we've talked about this with several uh, of the horror films uh, that have been really highly praised by critics uh, as of late in the past couple of years that people go like, Oh, this isn't a horror film, right? The witch or uh, it follows or uh, most recently, uh, it comes at night, yeah. right? And and like I find that that mode of engagement with a film is base level to me. It's and really I really, silly. I really don't even care because those like, films, while like they I may not be like film, I can watch a horror film that doesn't scare me and still find it really engaging and engrossing, and come around to being taken by surprise by it. And especially if, if you're, you know, the people that we are to where, you know, as much stuff as we watch, it's tough to be scary, scary. You know what I mean? So it's like, and, and I feel like there's also just a glut of people that are like, well, if it's not scary kind of thing, it's like, you know what, dude, you're just, you may be trying too hard. Just, you know, sit back and enjoy it for what it is, man. And I, I just, I had a lot of fun and it does what now it may go a tiny bit fast in getting there, but it does what a lot of good Stephen King stuff does is you like these kids. You want to hang out with these yeah. kids. These are the kids that, you know, you grew up with in one shape or form or another, you know. And right. uh, I and, think the majority the of people evil, that would do this. The would, evil you know. is the people. It's the town. Sure, there's this entity that's overtaken it. But like, like the really bad thing about dairy are the, it's the people of dairy. Yeah. Right. It, it's this underlying uh, 
uh, racism and homophobia and right. Like it's all these different things that are layered just in the way that people interact with one another. That's what King does really well. And I, I listen, it's just, it's a good time. Let's, let's talk about Pennywise. Cause this is going to be a big thing that, that people were always talking about here. And yep. now I think it was a smart thing. Uh, to him basically say, look, I'm not going to try to do, you know, Tim Curry, which is, and and them not try to emulate the same outfit sort of thing or anything. It's like, let's keep the pom-poms, everything else. We can kind of, you know, do whatever we want to do with this. Uh, Skarsgård, you do what you, you want as far as this, uh, acting goes and stuff. And I got to say, uh, I think he killed it now. I mean, and we'll talk about it when we do our Patreon episode for, for the mini series. Um, but I really like what he brought to this character and yes, made it mm-hmm. awful creepy. But at the same time, when he's talking with Georgie out by the drain pipe and everything, and I think this also goes to, uh, you know, uh, the, the kid who, who, who played, uh, who, who played Georgie was cause he was so good. Uh, yep. you don't feel like he's scared of him. And it does the same right. thing that the book says is like when he first sees them, the eyes are kind of yellow. Then they turn like a nice little blue. I mean, just the little touches like that are so good. Well, and, and- and I don't know if you know this, but like uh, when it, when his eye goes wonky, you know, like yeah. it like starts to drift. That's Skarsgård. Yeah, he's actually doing that. Yeah, that's crazy too. That's what, that's what, that's what's awesome. So, you know, and all that stuff when they're having that back and forth, you don't really you get a more friendly vibe with him. He may look sort of creepy, but with the kid laughing back and forth with him and just having that conversation. Up until the end, you know, when he's introducing himself and talking about how, you know, all the all the different smells and stuff that you can mm-hmm. s- smell from the circus and all that kind of good stuff, it's it's a genuine nice conversation, and then it goes dark. It's it's really yeah. good, and they had the balls then to show us like, hey, here's the arm actually getting ripped off and stuff. They decided to go hardcore with it and really make you go, oh shit, this is we're really doing it, man. Right. And I think it was a smart move to change it to uh, like they don't find Georgie's body. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a more I think it makes it a little bit more interesting and gives it, gives and him a reason to be them, down there. It gives them a reason to be down there. They're looking for these missing kids, right? Um, I also have to say I really like the costume redesign. I like the the creepiness of like the turn of the century. Yeah, clown that like. The, you know, the dancing clown, like he comes out in the box at the end and does that fucking weird dance, which people erupt in laughter at in the theater, I think appropriately, because uh, it is ridiculous. Um, but then all of a sudden it goes completely horrific again, right? Uh, with that head um, staying there and the body going back and forth, that creeped the hell out of me, boy. Yeah. Um, but I really like that that costuming choice yeah. for him. Um, like that, yeah, it, it speaks to how long he's been there in the town, right? Like the, like I love Tim Curry's performance, but that costume is straight up like 1990, uh, Barnum and Bailey circus. Yeah. Right? It's, like, it's any clown suit that you, you would, you would yeah. see on a, on a Which modern day clown. It's also creepy, right? If, if that's your thing, if it's just clowns, but there's something about like, like this design that speaks to how long he's been doing this. Uh, and it's even further back than that, but like this is how long he's had the Pennywise pers- persona is like late nineteenth century. Right. It gives you an idea that the entity has been around for much longer, and that it is a thing that is you know pervade over time. So when we get to the point where we see all the floating bodies and everything that's kind of piled up, uh, uh, you know, after so long, 
that it seems to make a little bit more sense. It feels more used. And the fact that we can actually finally see this stuff now is a big thing. Yeah, I, I, which which I liked so much because again it brings another creep factor to this. To when you go through and you see all those missing kids just floating in the air, we finally get to see them float as opposed to you know. And it's the '90s; they couldn't do much with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it was TV budget too. Exactly. Right? Like, uh, but I, I I like that. Let's talk about this because this is something. Uh, while Krista hasn't seen it, she uh, I guess her friend was kind of spoiling it for her. Let's see what you thought about this moment. Uh, okay. So. Bev actually getting kind of the, the looking into the death lights there and needing to be rescued instead of being the more kind of, you know, uh, sharpshooting badass. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, here's here's what I think is going on there. I'm not so I'm not sure that I agree with that change to her character, although like let's not forget that the whole reason that she's selected i think by pennywise is cuz she's actually really strong she's not scared of him right right uh, which which is a nice way that that scene plays out and it's why she doesn't actually end up uh, succumbing to the deadlights um but i think what's going on there is it provides a way for them to reunite a la the book without having to do the most disturbingly grotesque sex scene of any novel I've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it's about is uh, like, it does remove some agency from Bev, right? Which, which is a negative, <laughs> but it, it's doing it in a way that I think is like proving that they have to stay together. They're, they're, a, they're a, a group uh, that is strong, that they all love one another. <laughs> Right. But it was like with, with without the, having to have a bunch of preteen sex to right. reunify the group after this. You know what I mean? Yeah. With with the kiss and everything, to me, what it all kind of said was just like, you're right. The fact that she wasn't afraid. That's the way, why she didn't, you know, ascend completely. And yeah. that that was to kind of be that connecting moment. And I'm sure we'll have something coming back, especially between those two characters coming up. Uh, but at the same time, you know, even, even the kids just at the same time go, wow, how about that uh, kind of thing going yeah, on? But, but that's but what will also know, like kind of bring them they together all hug at the end and all yeah. that shit, right? Like it's all there. And I think that's what that moment is about is because in the novel, I don't know how much, if you've ever read any part of it or know about this, but in the novel, what ends up happening is like after they, uh, like defeat it for a little bit, um, like they all have sex with Bev. Yeah. As kids, like they all have sex with Bev in order to like create, like reinforce their bond basically. And this is like part of a, a ritual to seal it away or whatever. Right. Um, and, and I really think that this is a nice way of like, like doing that without doing that. Cause there's only so much you can get away with, even in R rated well, film, man. And, and quite honestly, like that book, like that part of the book, even the editor should have been like, uh, dude, I don't know how much Coke you're on, but like, what or is actually this? like, dude, I do know how much Coke you're on, but maybe rethink this part. Right. It's a, it's a bit so, much. So, so I don't mind that that's how it gets handled. I think that's what it's doing. I think that's the work that scene is doing at the very least, if you've read the book. Yeah. And, and again, I thought that was, I, I thought it was fact that it was good that you're, you're right, that it, it wasn't on a fact that she was scared. And to me, with what little bit I know, because I haven't gotten that far in the book, that obviously to me felt like that was what that scene kind of was replacing, if you will. Yeah, and, and necessarily so. Because also in the in the miniseries, we'll talk about this, uh, the end of that like 
childhood storyline in the miniseries, because all of that's removed because it's TV, right, makes almost no sense whatsoever. Right. It's basically so, like, oh, we all just made a promise sort of thing. Yeah, right. And like, um, what, what weight does that really hold? And like, it, you didn't feel the bond, at least like you do here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without right. actually having, you know, kids yes. having sex. Um, this movie, uh, as a way of like wrapping up, is an absolute monster at the box office. Yeah, budget of $35 million and it's at 171 for the opening weekend. Yowza! Or 117, yeah. rather, excuse me. It, I, 117, it's so far grossed 143. Whew. Like, including Tuesday, right? So, uh, we're recording this Wednesday night. I don't know what it's made today. It made $11 million yesterday. I'm going to guess 8 or 9, maybe? They're, they're projecting it to make another $50 million this weekend. If it that's if it drops sixty percent, which is like a standard horror movie drop. But if it goes higher, which it may do, because nobody knows what the hell's going on anymore with this thing. Yeah, because because they they certainly they weren't expecting to break a hundred, much less all the way up to like one seventeen. Yeah, I mean, like they were like we talked about this. Their the studio's projection was uh, sixty to eighty, right? And I, I know that that's conservative because they were, when it got close to a hundred, that was going to be them pu- publicizing it. Right. Right. Oh, it, it broke our expectations, whatever. That, that's the game that box office predictions always play. I don't think that they had a single clue that it would clear a hundred and uh, it would, by the way, it was 121 or 22 or 23. Yeah. 123 for the weekend. Hmm. Not 117. 117 was what was reported on Sunday ah. for the estimates for the end of Sunday. But by Monday morning, it was 123 as the official hard number. Whew. So so I don't think anybody was predicting that. Globally, it's made 209.9 so far. It's nuts. It's, it's <laughs> This movie... If Deadpool had ever happened, would be the biggest R-rated movie of all time. Yeah. And Deadpool was a complete surprise in that regard as well. Yeah, people thought, again, people thought it would be good. People didn't think it would be, like, that big. Right. And and the same was here, right? And I, I think it speaks to, like, uh, a couple of things. Uh, I think there's a, a, a love for this property, one. Like, a lot of people are big fans of the book. Uh, I know that it's frequently talked about as one of King's best. It is one of his best novels. Um, it it bridges, like we've discussed, these multiple generations. So multiple generations of readers and multiple generations of viewers are equally into it because they can identify with either the nostalgia aspect or being closer to those kids' age or in the next one, right, uh, literally being the age of the adults. Mm-hmm. Um it's also people who have uh, memories of watching the miniseries on television, like I did as well in the 90s, because um, it would replay occasionally, but also I saw it in 1990 when it aired. Um, and, and so I think it's just got a lot of things going for it, and people really showed up, and it, and it kind of delivered for them, and so they were really enthusiastic. So word of mouth stayed huge about it. If, yeah. it, if it had sucked Thursday night, 
you would have looked at a sixty million opening weekend, right? And you know, and then you had like with the success of Stranger Things and even having a cast of a cast yes. member of Stranger Things in there, really kind of has been boiling that sort of time frame in our minds and everything, and has really kind of given us a uh, a jump back in love for this for for that time period. And uh, I I don't know how this was planned and when exactly, but man, they couldn't have banged on a better time. You know, to, to update it to that point and especially get, yeah. you know, that actor and everything. So, yeah. I'm, I look, I'm, I'm excited to see where the sequel for this thing goes. And uh, as some of my nerd friends have pointed out, if you can't wait for the sequel, just go, go read the book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can you can find out what happens, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I can't wait for the sequel because, uh, like, I really want to see what the adaptation of the next part looks like. Right, because I feel like they're going to do something, I mean, I don't want to say maybe wholly different, but uh, I, I think we're going to get something different, certainly different than what we got in the miniseries. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing I want to ask you, and then we can wrap up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of this movie, there's a title card that comes up. Right. Right? It, chapter one. Mm-hmm. In both screenings that I was in spontaneous applause. <laughs> yeah. I had a little bit of that. Maybe like there were people that were just like, yeah, woo. Like as soon as chapter one came up, it wasn't even that the movie was over. It was just like, people were just so enthusiastic about getting more of this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I dug the hell out of this movie. Uh, I'm probably going to go see it another time in the theater. Uh, yeah, I saw it. In, uh, so I, I saw it once in regular theater, and then I, I saw it at our at the uh, the Dolby Cinema. So we got yeah. to see uh, the, the Dolby HDR and uh, Atmos and everything. Would definitely suggest that. Man, that bass just rumbles your chest, son. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll have to go check that out. I haven't wanted to plop the money down, but that might need to be something I do this it's, it's worth it. It's 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 pretty cool. I mean, I, I liked it. The theater that I went into, it's like they lit up every speaker in there. I counted like over 208 8-inch woofers in that joint. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, those those, uh, those theaters are pretty awesome sound-wise. Like, like really amazing. <laughs> Picture like was I, great too, man. I remember especially. watching uh, Thor: The Dark World was the first thing I saw there, and you know that movie's all right. It's not great, but uh, I mean it's a it's a good enough movie. Right? Well, I'll say this: I'm definitely um, going to go see the next Thor movie there. Because, oh yeah, for sure. But but yeah. <laughs> but like I, I'm pretty sure my having seen it in that theater gave me fonder memories than I would have had. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know. It's also in IMAX format, so I might go check that out just to see like what the fuck. Uh, any of that looks like uh, blown up if it plays as well or plays differently. I'm just interested in how this movie plays uh, yeah. in different conditions. Quite honestly, I will say this: if you got a Fomax versus versus the Dolby, I'd say go see the Dolby. I mean, if now if you got a full IMAX, that may be different. I, I got all of it, son. Well, I'm just talking to the listeners. <laughs> I know you no, got I, all of it. I would endorse. Like, I really, I think of what I'm going to do this weekend is do the Dolby, like Sunday night, maybe. I, th- I think I think you dig it. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. That's a hard endorsement. Strong recommendations, everybody. Uh, So next week, next week we got some interesting stuff. We got American Assassin starring uh, Dylan O'Brien. And, of course, the real reason we're all going to go see that, Michael Keaton. Yep, Michael Keaton. And a movie that I always, uh, a director I always look forward to seeing, Darren Aronofsky's got a new movie entitled Mother. Starring Jennifer yes. Lawrence and Javier Bardem, a, a trailer with which I close my eyes on because I don't want to know nothing about it. 
so I'm just like, mm, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Let me I, just. You, you could watch that trailer seven times and not know what it is. Great. I just, I just, because you know how trailers are. I'm just like, no, I don't want to give me nothing, but it, it's Aronofsky dude. So I'm just, I'm signed up already. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, the movie poster that I've seen for it, that is not just the close up. There's like a painted one mm-hmm. for, for this. That movie poster is amazing. Hmm. Uh, and I, it's, it's the one that's on like IMDb or I rotten tomatoes, I think is where it is. There's probably one on IMDb. But uh, this movie is it's very de- uh, divisive. Uh, it's been playing the festival circuit for a few uh, weeks now. It's been, uh, or maybe a couple months, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, word out of Toronto is like 50-50, split down the middle. Like, part like, oh my god, this is great. Part, I don't understand what the fuck I just saw. See, to me, um, anybody that says, like, I don't understand what the fuck I just saw just makes me go, yes. Yeah, right? It's like, I'm down for that. I'm like, I, I love that kind of stuff. I mean, these are probably the same people that saw Requiem and are just like, I don't know, this is out the, of this. Or the people who bailed five episodes into this season of Twin Peaks. They're just like, ah, we're out. This is just I don't, bizarre. I don't get it. Don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. All right. In the meantime, Matt, where can we find more of your work on the internet, sir? Uh, I've got a newsletter, uh, tinyletter.com slash conspiracy media theory. I've got a few new subscribers. Thank you for subscribing. Um, uh, I have fun writing that thing. And like, uh, now that my readership's, uh, grown a little bit, I'm going to be more persistent about doing it. Uh, basically it's just a compilation of things I find interesting, me commenting on things. I'll do brief little essays on stuff, whether it's politics, movies, uh, whatever. Uh, as I like to say, um, Come for whatever you like, leave for whatever you don't like. It's That's a cornucopia fine. of crap. Yeah, I mean, uh, and and those those people who are subscribed to it can tell you, like, you know, it's part uh, lefty politics, part like, hey, this is all bullshit, part <laughs> um, part movie news, part box office analysis, part uh, me just talking about random things going on, uh, it's, part robot I, in I disguise. A, I yeah, I have a lot of fun writing that thing. Um, so that's, uh, like I said, tinyletter.com slash conspiracy media theory. Uh, you can also, I'm still on Instagram at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. Uh, follow me there. I'll be back on Twitter. Um, but I'll talk about that when I'm back on Twitter, I guess. <laughs> and of course, preacher podcast, we just wrapped up, uh, our season two finale there. We will be coming back for an extended word of Garth edition, uh, with everybody's emails and all that kind of jazz coming up, man. So, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, wrangle one Mr. Sean Keenan uh, on board there. Fingers crossed on that one. And, uh, here movie podcast, man, here movie Uh, we got all kinds of stuff coming up, dude. So, uh, be on that one. We did, we reviewed some Batman, the animated series, some good Batman, the animated series. So, uh, uh-huh. Definitely check out that. And on Saturday evenings at 10 p.m., if you go to nerdtalknow.com, that'll redirect you over to my Twitch page where you get to see a little live show that I put on, talk about some nerd news, and, uh, hello, take phone calls and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, check that stuff out as well, man. That is it, everybody. Uh, For those of you that are on Patreon, stay tuned for the after program and everything. Uh, For the rest of you guys, we'll see you next week. For Matt Smith, my name is Adam Portress, and we'll see you next time.